The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with one for the record book. Stocks doing something for the first time since 1975 as Wall Street kicks off a new month of trading. And earnings season, it rolls on. Today, a look under the hood when it comes to chips, drinks, tractors, and more and why today's reports could dictate the market's next move. We're also going to stick with earnings. Commentary so far, painting a bit of a mixed picture when it comes to consumer spending. We'll discuss with former Target Vice Chairman Jerry Storch. Plus, China's export curbs on key metals, it goes into effect today. We're live in Beijing with the fallout. And then later in the show, how Meta is planning to keep folks using the platform longer and more often. Here's a hint, artificial intelligence. It's Tuesday, August 1st, 2023, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start your day. We're going to kick things off for this new month of trading with the check on U.S. stock futures. Taking a look right now, lower across the board, all three indices pretty much at their lows of the pre-market. Again, it is early. The Dow looks like it would open up about 88 points lower. This after stocks locked in another month of solid gains with the S&P and the Nasdaq capping off five straight winning months, their longest such win streak since 2021. But when it comes to year to date performance, the superlatives, they get even better. Take a look at this chart. So through July, the S&P is up 19.5 percent. That is the index's strongest gain through the first seven months of a year since 1997, when it gained almost 29%. And then for the NASDAQ, look even further back. It's up 37% year to date. That is the best first seven months to a year since 1975. That's when it gained 39% over that same stretch. Uh, So big gains so far, a lot of history being made this uh, market year. All right, we're also looking at the bond market. Taking a look at the 10-year as always, the benchmark hovering just a tick below 4%, 3.97. Again, the inverted yield curve, something we continue to watch. We're also looking at energy. Oil seeing a rally of its own, coming off its best month since January of 2022. This morning, again, we see WTI crude back above 80 bucks a barrel, now at 81.50. Lower right now, but still, we're seeing some significant gains when it comes to oil. Brent crude, the international benchmark, at basically 85 and a quarter down this morning, but again, significant gains since the start of July. Natural gas also making some moves, up one and a quarter percent. That's the setup for the start of August stateside. Now for a check of Europe and Asia. Arabile Goumide. He's in our London newsroom with much more. Arabile, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Frank. Look, it's certainly been a story of gains, right, particularly when you take a look at the month of July, which has been fairly positive. Yes, stateside, but so too out in Asia. And really, the only dip we're taking a look at when one takes a look at the month of July is really the Nikkei out in Japan there, having dipped ever so marginally. And of course, let's remember that last month we did see the Bank of Japan decide to tweak its yield, co- uh, yield curve control policy then, uh, which did have some influence on the market. 0.5% on both the negative and the upside is where they've pretty much decided to let things roam between out in Japan. The rest of the Asian market, as you can tell, on the up, particularly that Hang Seng, more than 6% higher 
out in Europe then, we pretty much got a positive stance as well. More than 1.8% uh, gain for the DAX then out in July. In fact, it even reached its uh, peak levels as well then, uh, just in yesterday's trading picture. Uh, it has uh, it did have, however, its first negative session overall out of three coming through yesterday. The FTSE MIB out of India, out of Italy, should I say, sorry, is very interesting. More than 5% gain thus far here, and it is also hitting its highest level since June 2008. That happened then in yesterday's session, so that's continuing then its upward movement. A trajectory, though, of positivity across the board here in Europe, positivity out in Asia as well. And uh, that will be question marks over whether that will continue for the month of August. Frank, we'll take a look. All right, Arabile, thank you very much. Arabile Gumade, live in our London newsroom. Turn our attention back to Wall Street. We're gearing up to kick off the new trading month with hopes to keep the win streak rolling. Investors now looking at August and if it could spell a bit of trouble for the market. So data shows for the first 90 years of the Dow, that's from 1896 until 1986, August on average, that was the best performing month of the year, rising an average of 1.8%. But since 1986, it's been the worst month on average, falling nearly 1%. For more on whether history may repeat itself, let's bring in Mark Avalon, president at Potomac Wealth Advisors. Mark, good morning. It's great to have you here. Morning. All right. So we just laid out the stats since 86, August, the worst performing month for the markets. Do you see a similar setup, an August swoon of sorts coming up? Well, we may. I'm not sure if it's related to the calendar, but I think it's more related to this massive unabated run up we've had. Um, euphoria, groupthink, uh, over momentum here. Not really what I like to see as an investor where I want to see uh, fair valuations for what expected earnings are against a reasonable inflation or interest rate backdrop. And I think the market is disconnected from all those massive fears of 2022, where we were so worried about inflation and rates and how that would affect growth and tech. And that fell on its face. So conventional wisdom may be um, an enemy here for the investor. And I think they need to be a little um, cynical or at least curious about some of these wage reports we're getting about higher wages and really question the quality of the earnings we're seeing and we'll see going forward. All right. So you mentioned wages. I know that's something that you're watching pretty closely. Uh, just a couple of days ago, we had the ECI report. That's the Employment Cost Index from the Department of Labor. It showed a pretty strong uptick over the last 12 months, about 5% uptick when it came to both wages and compensation. How do you see that weighing on the markets and earnings going forward? Well, I think all this data that we're getting now is looking backwards. And yes, overall inflation has come down, but you're making a great point about this employment cost index, and it has risen significantly, had a little bit of positive movement in the last month or two, but that was before we saw these massive union contracts with the United pilots. It made American go back out and give another billion to their pilots. UPS and the Teamsters, the Teamsters did a solid job for their their members, which is what they're supposed to do. And now we're looking at UAW negotiations. Even if you're non-union and you see 10% annual raises that the pilots got, you're going to try to get a higher wage uh, and, and benefit package. And I don't see why the stock investors are thinking inflation is totally in the rearview mirror when we have massive wage gains right in front of us. All right, so you're looking forward at the forward impact. So is the issue here revenues, margins, earnings, all three? What do you see the impact being? And then how does it impact the markets if these companies do see uh, higher wages? 
Well, that's a great question. And my first answer is it's definitely going to be uh, it's not going to be no impact. So it's going to have an impact. Right. So what is it going to be? Higher earnings. But that could be at the cost of higher inflation. At the least, it's going to be inflationary. The worst case is it's both inflationary and it hurts earnings. So I'm not sure that higher wages have ever been a positive for corporate earnings. In fact, there's a strong inverse correlation between the cost okay. of wages and stock prices. All right. Fair point. Let's talk about the markets again. Where are you looking at for when it comes to opportunities? You're actually looking at the XLI. I know that big run up. Do you see that that continued performance continuing uh, XLI up 17 percent in just the past month? Yeah, it's had a strong run. We've talked about it here. I think it was benef- it's a beneficiary of, of not only the, a stronger economy, but also the infrastructure bill. And interestingly enough, there's a high defense component in this in the industrial sector, which we unfortunately like because of the situation around the world. We think there's going to continue to be strong demand. Um, companies like Boeing and and I know Raytheon stubbed its toe, but they're going to have a big demand to uh, deal with what we're seeing over in Russia and Ukraine. Other countries want to end on some drone warfare. So I think defense industrials have that tailwind, even if the economy slows. And I do think that having a broad diversification here, not just focusing on mega cap tech, could make good sense for investors. Yeah, we're always looking for those ideas for our viewers outside of the Magnificent Seven. Mark Avalone, it is great to see you as always. Thank you. All right, a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors have to know today. But first, China ramps up the trade pressure, targeting chips, powering the AI revolution and the U.S. military's drone fleet, plus the curious case of of consumer spending. Here where former Target Vice Chairman Jerry Storch has to say about earnings so far. And then later, Elon Musk and his ex-ambitions for the San Francisco skyline, they're put on hold, at least for now. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange to a developing story in China, announcing new export controls on some drones and drone-related tech in an effort to, quote, safeguard national security and interest. It comes as Beijing's previously announced export controls on key metals used in the making of advanced AI chips. That goes into effect today. Our Eunice Yoon joins us now from Beijing with more on this story. Eunice, good morning. 
Hey, Frank, well, those export controls on the two key metals for the chip industry, germanium as well as gallium, as you said, go into effect today. Uh, the authorities have been stressing that uh, they are in no way targeting any one country and also have said that these metal curbs are to protect national security. Now, this comes as the state media last night had described the metal curbs as a first shot and quoted experts as saying that the curbs may hit entities from countries that cracked down on on China, which implies that uh, this could be retaliation. Now, in terms of the uh, impact, it's still quite unclear. Uh, the expectation is that this would have a ripple effect through the, chi the, the chip supply chain, um, not only for chip makers, but also substrate suppliers, including those uh, listed in the U.S. Uh, however, what we are seeing is that there is a pattern forming in that um, though the Chinese have been constantly warning of countermeasures, we haven't seen a whole lot of impact except for the um, what appears to be retaliation against um, Micron and then also now these export curbs. Uh, the concern, though, from the Chinese side is that uh, they, we could potentially see an impact of the Chinese of a bit of a boomerang effect, and that is because... Um, in the past, about a decade ago, uh, the Chinese have retaliated against Japan on rare earths, and then there was an increase of production outside of China. So there is a bit of concern within the industries here that China, with this export curbs on these two metals, could actually see its own market share decline over the years. But then again, that is in the long term. So, Eunice, I also want to ask you about something else we reported on yesterday, contraction in the Chinese manufacturing sector. Um, state officials, they held a news conference. They said they want to study and formulate policies, but no clear indication of stimulus. Are we hearing anything new about possible stimulus? We are hearing more and more, but it's um, coming out in drips and grabs. Uh, the authorities here have said that they are going to boost credit for uh, finance and finance for some of the small and medium enterprises, but still not a whole lot of detail on that as of yet. Uh, what people want to see is more direct uh, fiscal support for these companies as well as for consumers to really get the demand side much more robust as opposed to just the supply side. One other note, though, Frank, that I did want to bring up, you had mentioned at the top of the show or at the top of the segment about the drones and the Chinese have announced new export curbs on drones. Uh, the authorities have said that this is for national security purposes again and also that the uh, drones that are uh, going to be targeted are for military use, uh, but uh, the, uh, some of the components that are also going to be restricted could mean that commercial use drones from China will also be affected. Yeah, certainly a lot to watch there. Are Eunice Yoon live in Beijing? Eunice, always great to see you. All right, turn our attention now to a market flash. We're watching shares of Tesla. They're moving just a bit lower in the pre-market. Well, actually a lot lower in the pre-market now, now down almost 1%. The U.S. Office of Defects investigation is opening a preliminary evaluation on 2023 Model 3s and 2023 Model Ys, saying it's received 12 complaints alleging loss of steering control, and power steering. Uh, again, shares of Tesla down almost 1% in the pre-market. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have your big money movers and why this stock is set to open up at a fresh all-time low. We have your morning mystery chart. We're going to reveal it when we come back. Canva presents unexplained appearances. 
It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? <clears throat> the real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. All right, time now for your big money movers. We start with shares of Yum China under pressure after the fast food operator reported lower than expected second quarter revenue and then issued a muted Q3 outlook. The company is saying it plans to take advantage of sales opportunities during the summer peak season and is now looking to open up between 1,100 and 1,300 new stores this year. Shares of Yum China down about 3%. So now to your morning mystery chart. We're talking about Zoom Info taking a tumble on a reduced full-year guide with little explanation for the modest forecast. The CEO for the database information provider telling shareholders in a statement they delivered another quarter of revenue growth, increased profitability and free cash flow generation. Zoom Info also plans to repurchase $500 million worth of shares. Shares are down for Zoom Info, however, almost 20 percent. A very similar picture for Western Digital. Shares dipping on a worse than expected first quarter loss and revenue outlook due to weak demand for its cloud business. The company's CEO says Large cloud service providers are scaling back on spending to clear out excess inventory, which is causing Western Digital to cut production and in CapEx spending. Shares of Western Digital down just over 1.5%. All right, we are more than halfway through earnings season, and the commentary on the state of the American consumer, it remains mixed at best. That is despite inflation moving towards the Fed's 2% target. We got some data from CNBC's all-star earnings analytics team, in general, travel and experience companies have reported strong demand with airlines seeing robust international traffic, why hotels and cruise operators, they reported solid booking rates. Our parent company, Comcast, with its theme parks and experience stocks like, like, like Live Nation and IMAX, also reporting record numbers. I actually spoke to the IMAX CEO after earnings. He noted a paradigm shift when it comes to increased consumer spending. But the rosy outlook, it appears to end there. Starting with food, McDonald's highlights what it calls a challenging macro environment, while Coca-Cola and Pepsi, they both reported an increase of bargain-conscious spending. We've got some similar takes from 3M, LVMH, Whirlpool, and even Harley-Davidson. The motorcycle maker says it is seeing a clear negative impact on demand and affordability. Let's tie all this together with Gerald Storch, formerly the CEO of Toys R Us in Hudson's Bay. He's also a former Target vice chairman and currently the CEO of Storch Advisors. Jerry, good morning. It's always great to see you. Good morning. All right. Let's start off with the companies that we, la- we talked about last, seeing those macro headwinds. I want to start with Harley-Davidson, LVMH, and Whirlpool. Very different businesses, obviously, but they're all technically goods. Um, and that goods category, are we seeing a shift from goods to services continue? And do you expect that to continue for the rest of this year? Well, we're absolutely seeing that. Uh, the, you know, the con- it's not as simple as consumers doing well or consumers doing poorly. It's clear the consumer is stressed, right? But let me give you a simple framework. Consumers are shifting from goods to services. They're shifting from wants to needs because of the stress that they're under. You see that, you know, for example, both in terms of a lot of the services purchases are actually for housing and for medical care. A lot of the goods are for, are for consumables or food. 
And then you have to put the overlay on in this of the pandemic rebound. So some products that did well during the pandemic, for example, something like home goods or toys, when people were stuck at home, are doing poorly now. Some other things that you just couldn't do during the pandemic, pandemic bads, like going on a, tr- on a travel experience or going to the movies or going to a concert, those are doing great as a rebound. But almost everything that's going on can be explained that by that. Think of auto sales. They're up. But remember, you couldn't even get a car during the pandemic, so that's True. really just a rebound effect. So almost everything fits in that framework. The consumer makes sense. Yeah, some catch-up spending when it comes to autos and maybe some other areas as well, including experiences. Um, I want to talk about the payment companies, Visa and MasterCard. Uh, they both called the consumer resilient. Generally, when you say somebody's resilient, it means they're going through something. You mentioned that they're pretty stretched. Credit card rates pretty much at a record, 21% right now. Um, if we start to see the consumer weaken, what areas do you expect it to weaken in first and then longer term? When we look out more, how does that impact earnings in the market? Well, just keep to the framework that I gave you. So the products that are more once, apparel, for example, you know, clothing is falling in hard times already. It will only get worse. You know, other discretionary products, a big ticket uh, items that are, that are interest rate sensitive. You know, you mentioned Whirlpool, but things like uh, it's a fine company, but things like like buying home appliances, for example. And eventually it will get to cars once people have, uh, you know, have gotten their uh, their garages full. So I, I think it's pretty easy to figure out what's going to happen here. Meanwhile, companies that stand for value. You know, I've been a big fan of Walmart's during this period. They've outperformed other retailers. Why? Because they stand for value. Even a company like TJX, TJ Maxx parent that sells clothing. That is not an up category, but they represent value in that category. So they'll do well. It's pretty easy to figure it out. Just don't get fooled by inflation. I see so many commentaries, including the Visa Massacre. The consumers are robust. They're spending a lot of money. Don't use inflation-adjusted dollars. It's kind of funny money. You know, look at okay. units. So you have someone like Procter & Gamble telling you that their units are down, but they're making it up on price. All right, so, Jerry, explain this one to me. Why are we seeing such strong results from experienced companies? IMAX is an affordable luxury, but really, uh, hotel spending's up. International flights are up. We're just talking about that just right now. Why are we seeing that at the consumer stretch and you believe that they're starting to weaken? Well, that's clearly in that overlay category. It's a pandemic rebound. We couldn't do those things during that pandemic. So we have pent up demand for those and we're, and we're, we're fulfilling that now. But keep in mind, nothing grows in the sky. The year over year growth in these categories, airlines or, or, or uh, accommodations, et cetera, they are slowing. And a lot of times when people say, well, services are way up, they're getting confused, lumping in the smaller categories like travel with the huge categories like housing, which has seen great inflation, or healthcare, for example, which is up sharply both from pandemic rebound, where I can now go out and get those new knees I've always wanted, as well as rising prices. So if you look at the data, it's pretty straightforward. All right. Something we'll have to watch. Jerry Storch, it is always great to have you here. Thank you very much. All right. Now to get a check on this morning's headlines outside of the world of business. NBC's Jessica Layton's in New York with the very latest. Jessica, good morning. Frank, good morning to you. A major tragedy may have just been avoided in Memphis, Tennessee. A Hebrew Academy says a man approached their door with a gun in his hand after failing to get inside. He fired shots while retreating from a worker. No one at the school was hurt. Police say they shot and wounded that suspect at a traffic stop when he got out of his truck with his gun. He was taken to the hospital in critical condition. In a reversal of a Trump-era decision, the Pentagon announced that the headquarters of the U.S. Space Command will not move to 
Alabama and instead remain in Colorado. The statement said the decision came after consultation between President Biden and senior military leaders. Now, earlier this year, the Biden White House signaled that it was reconsidering Space Command's move to Alabama due to opposition to that state's near total ban on abortion. The White House, though, denies that that was a factor. And now to a not so sweet situation on a California highway where a tractor trailer carrying 40,000 pounds of chocolate burst into flames. The incident forced traffic delays and caused a whole heap of chocolate to melt onto that road. Authorities say the fire broke out when the trailer separated from the big rig. There were no injuries and officials were able to keep the fire from spreading into a nearby forest. I cannot tell, Frank, if that looks delicious or disgusting, but either way, glad that nobody was hurt. Yeah, I think that's the important part that nobody was hurt. Jessica Layton is always great to see you. All right, straight ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, why Elon Musk him have to wait just a little bit longer to reshape and illuminate San Francisco's skyline. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming up after this break. It is right around 5.30 a.m. here in the New York City area, and there's a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. Stocks set to kick off a new trading month as the Nasdaq continues to rally, notching its best July since the movie Jaws topped the box office. Earnings, they're a key driver for investors today. The busiest week of results shifts into high gear with more than three dozen names on tap. We're going to tee up the key stocks that you need to watch. Also, ramping up AI ambitions. Meta looking to lean on the Red Hot tech to keep more users plugged into its platforms even longer. It is Tuesday, August the 1st. You're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start the day. We're going to pick up the half an hour with a check on U.S. stock futures as we kick off a new month of trading. Taking a look, futures pretty much at their lows of the session right now. The Dow falling looks like it would open up about 110 points lower at this hour. Uh, Earlier, it was about 88 points lower. We're seeing the S&P and the Nasdaq both down about a third of a percent. But stocks are looking to build on some very impressive, impressive gains in July. For the year, it's looking even better. Take a look over here. Through July, the S&P's up 19.5%. That is the index's strongest gain through the first seven months of a year since all the way back in 1997. And then for the NASDAQ, we look even further back. It's up 37% year to date. That's the best first seven months to a year since 1975. So very strong start to this year. We're also looking at the bond market this morning. As always, we start with the benchmark 10-year, 3.96, easing off its highs of just about a week ago, 4.01 when it comes to the yield, inverted yield curve. We always talk about it. We also want to talk about energy, specifically oil. Let's start with WTI, the U.S. benchmark. We're seeing it right now basically at 81.5 right now, down almost a half a percent in the pre-market. Brent crude, 85, 15 or so, down a third of a percent. Bigger move for natural gas. Uh, up almost 1%, however, off of its highs. All right, time now for a check of some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Bertha Coombs is here with more. Bertha. Hey, good morning, Frank. Have you ever wanted to have a conversation with Abraham Lincoln? Well, Meta is reportedly getting ready to ramp up its latest artificial intelligence ambitions. According to the Financial Times, the company is set to launch a range of AI-powered chatbots that feature different different personalities. The FT says that could happen as soon as next month. 
interesting to watch. The paper adds that Meta has been designing the chatbots, which can have human-like discussions with users as it works to boost its engagement with its social media platforms. Meantime, take a look at that chart up nine months in a row. Lawyers, meantime, for the U.S. Virgin Islands alleging to a federal judge that J.P. Morgan Chase had more, handled more than $1 million in payments from Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein to, quote, girls or women after the bank terminated Epstein as a client. A new letter filed yesterday. Lawyers uh, from the U.S. Virgin Islands Attorney General's Office detailed more than 9,000 transactions paid out to Epstein-related accounts between 2005 and 2019 that were not disclosed during the court-mandated evidence exchange window. In a statement to CNBC about today's filing, J.P. Morgan said, quote, there is no proof this is accurate. And it's the end of the road for the new Exxon already atop the headquarters of the company formerly known as Twitter. The bright flashing structure has been removed just days after it was installed. The San Francisco Department of Building Inspections said it received 24 complaints about the sign, including, quote, concerns about its structural safety and illumination. The fact that it was strobing up there, Frank, I'm sure did not, not uh, <laughs> please its neighbors. It was definitely giving off some bat signal energy. I, I don't know what's quite going on with that. The name shift has all been interesting, but it's de definitely a developing story. We're going to have to continue to watch. Bertha, it's always great to see you. Definitely. <laughs> all right, turning back to earnings as we kick off the busiest week of the season. More than three dozen names set to report today, but key investor focus will be on a certain few. It's all about chips, drinks, and, and tractors. Arsima Modi, Kate Rogers, and Christina Partsinevelis filed these reports. Starbucks is set to report after the close today. Analysts are expecting EPS of 95 cents on revenues of $9.29 billion for the third quarter. Same store sales in both the U.S. and China will be key for investors to watch. In North America, same store sales are expected to increase 8.4 percent. Internationally, they're expected to grow 24.2 percent, according to estimates from FactSet. Analysts do not break out an expectation for China sales, but that's something Starbucks will do in its report, and it's also a key metric for the coffee giant as it is Starbucks' second home market. Last quarter, the company saw its same-store sales in China increase for the first time since its third quarter of 2021. But in this quarter, firms including Guggenheim and BTIG have indicated China's recovery may be uneven and added smaller competitors are crowding the landscape both here in the U.S. and abroad. BTIG even reduced its international projections just last month on a potentially weaker China. In the U.S., it's all about the strength of the consumer and if Starbucks is able to hang on to share in the face of stubborn inflation and a potentially more cautious spender. That stock is up just over 2 percent on the year, one of the weaker performers in the restaurant space. Yeah, that's right. Caterpillar is set to report earnings. Expectations are high with the stock flirting with a near record as the prospect of a recession continue to diminish. Investors will be focused on Caterpillar's inventory levels and a fewer supply chain issues have allowed levels to normalize. Plus, the industrial giant's China business, where it makes 5 to 10 percent of its sales, has a recent deceleration in the country's economy, put pressure on construction players like Caterpillar or heightened competition with local players on the ground.
The other topic of discussion will be Caterpillar's mining business, where analysts are expecting margins to improve as commodity prices rebound worldwide. Take a look at stock, the Caterpillar stock. It's currently on pace for back-to-back monthly gains for the first time since January. Back to you. AMD's near-term numbers, though, are likely to come up short because of weak data center sales and a slowing gaming market. Take, for example, Intel's latest earnings report that showed data center inventory levels are still high and that cannibalization is a real problem as companies use their IT dollars to spend on new AI chips rather than the traditional servers that AMD is known for. For example, those servers known as CPUs contribute 26% of AMD's total revenue, so they definitely have exposure. And that's much of the reason why we've seen AMD stock flat just over the last month compared to the 5% uptick in both the SOX and the SMH ETFs. But AMD could differ from Intel post-earnings in two ways. Firstly, its CPU market share went up in the first quarter, whereas Intel's went down, a sign it's been stealing market share away from Intel. Secondly, AMD is set to launch its own AI chip in Q4 of this year, and it already has hard orders from both Microsoft as well as Amazon. That chip alone could be seen as a catalyst for more bullish estimates, if it's launched on time. AMD investors will have to look past the near-term weakness and towards that 2024 AI dream, but it's going to be a matter of toughing it out first. Frank? All right. Thank you to all three of them. All right. We want to stick with earnings now. Uber shares climbing the pre-market as the company prepares to report second quarter earnings before the opening bell this morning. It's really been a stellar year so far for Uber, with the stock up more than 100 percent year to date on analyst confidence over improving profitability, strong growth trends and capital discipline. Uber has been outperforming ride sharing rival Lyft by a pretty wide margin, which is up just over 15 percent this year. Let's get you ready for that earnings report with Tom White, senior research analyst at D.A. Davidson. Tom, good morning. Thanks for being here. Good morning. All right. So I got to start off with this. Uh, Uber trading at 150 times forward earnings. I was pretty shocked there. So obviously some lofty expectations for earnings. What's your rating? What's your price target? What are you expecting going into this report? Yeah, uh, uh, we've got a buy rating on the stock, $62 target. Look, it's it's been a, a great last several quarters for Uber. Uh, the business has recovered uh quite nicely kind of coming out of the pandemic and the broader economic reopening. It's been a share gainer over the last several quarters. I think you're seeing that reflected in the in the stock move so far this year. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, what we expect to investors to focus on this morning, uh, you know, with Uber, there's any number of KPIs and, and different businesses that people will focus on. We think uh, people are going to kind of go back to the core and, and the big focus is going to be the U.S. rideshare business. Uh, and that's largely a function of what's happening kind of in the competitive backdrop. Uh, Uber's biggest competitor in the, in the U.S. rideshare, Lyft, uh, made a leadership change earlier this year and has really made some incremental investments in lower uh, rider pricing, which uh, there was some data kind of over the course of the quarter uh, that suggested that maybe Uber was uh, giving back a little bit of share in the U.S. rideshare market. So we think um, investors are going to be kind of keenly focused okay. on, on, on that. You know, let's talk a little bit about competition. I'm sorry, I'm using some of your data right now. Your data shows that Uber is 5% cheaper on shorter trips within the city. Wait times are 31% less. I mean, those are two key factors I look at when it comes to rideshare. I want it to be cheap and I want to get there where, you know, as soon as possible. How meaningful is that for the long-term outlook for this stock? Yeah. So, yeah, that was some data that we published yesterday. Uh, it's basically a snapshot of where pricing was, we think, exiting July. 
Uh, we looked at rideshare pricing and wait times in, in the 20 largest U.S. cities. Uh, the, the reality, though, is that, you know, pricing can change on a dime. Uh, both Uber and Lyft are optimizing pricing on a market-by-market basis, really, you know, uh, by the second, every minute. So uh, we think that's where pricing was kind of exiting July. Uh, there was some data over the course of the quarter that Lyft was actually more aggressive on pricing and had had lower pricing uh, during during the second quarter. So, um, you know, I think, uh, as always, it's, it's something that investors need to keep an eye on because it's cl- clearly going to impact kind of consumer conversion rates in which app that they decide to go to. All right. So really interesting. So obviously Uber has businesses outside of rideshare, unlike Lyft. They have a food delivery business and some other businesses. How do you see those performing in a situation where we have seen what Visa MasterCard call a resilient consumer, but certainly stretched? Yeah, I think, look, online food delivery has been uh, uh, quite resilient, not to overuse that particular word, uh, uh, it's, but it's been a resilient category, uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic. I think, uh, you know, the, the plan there for Uber is twofold. One, it's continuing to expand into new verticals and new categories outside of core restaurants. So things like grocery, things like uh, retail, things like alcohol, those continue to ramp quite nicely. But then they're also continuing to kind of prune or fine tune uh, the markets that they're in. So Uber quietly exited a couple of food delivery markets in Europe. I think it was Italy and Israel last month. So they're they're expanding in, into adjacent categories. They're continuing to lean into growth there. Uh, but they're also making sure that, you know, they're, they're not just kind of investing in markets where they're not really going to have a pathway to be a number one or number two player. All right. Tom White from DA Davidson. Great to have you here. Taking a look at Uber shares moving higher ahead of earnings. And for more on Uber earnings, don't miss a first on CNBC interview with CEO Dara Kawashawi at 730 a.m. Eastern time today, right here on CNBC. All right, coming up, your morning call sheet and shares of Estee Lauder not looking so pretty on the back of a fresh downgrade. But first, as we had to break, some of your top trending stories. Your next favorite streaming site may be out of this world. NASA announcing it's launching its own streaming service, NASA Plus, later this year, which will live stream missions and feature original video series as it looks to transform its digital presence. Taco Bell is being sued over accusations of deceiving customers by falsely advertising the amount of beef and bean filling contained in their Mexican pizzas and crunch wraps, according to a proposed class action lawsuit. And Miami facing its smelliest problem yet, as it looks to attract the ultra-rich like hedge fund boss Ken Griffin, its overflowing garbage piles and at-risk septic tanks. The city's massive landfills, known by some as Mount Trashmore, will reportedly run out of space by 2026, with the citywide septic tank system at continued risk of overflowing due to rainstorms and releasing bacteria and other contaminants to Miami's 2.7 million residents. Wow. All right, much more Worldwide Exchange after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. It is time now for your morning call sheet. We begin with City downgrading its rating and price target for Estee Lauder, moving it to neutral and 195 per share. City saying it sees increasing risks to the company's recovery in Asia over the next 6 to 12 months, taking a look at shares of Estee Lauder, again, lower right now. Barclays raising its price target and its rating on American Eagle Outfitters, moving it to overweight and $18 per share. Barclays saying in part that a sales and profit reset for the retailer would also reset its estimates for next year to more achievable targets. And KBW lowering its rating on SoFi on the back of better-than-expected Q2 results. Now putting it at underperform, that stock surging 22% yesterday. KBW says after an impressive run in the fintech company shares since May, it believes valuation has overshot the fundamentals earning outlook. All right, time now for your briefing. I'll take a look at stories from all around the world. 
We're going to begin with Australia's central bank leaving rates unchanged in its latest policy decision. The RBA saying the decision to do so will provide it with more time to look at the impact of interest rate hikes so far. Inflation in Australia has slowed to 6% in the second quarter. HSBC reporting a first-half profit of $18 billion, more than doubling from a year ago, thanks in part to rising rates. The bank also announcing another $2 billion in stock buybacks, taking a look at shares moving higher. And more downbeat economic news out of China. New home sales in July seeing their biggest monthly decline in a year. This is factory activity fell back into contraction territory last month. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, the one word that every investor needs to know today, plus why our next guest is continuing to sound the alarm on red flags in the market as we start a new month of trading. Much more Worldwide Exchange coming back right after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. China announcing export controls on select drone and drone-related equipment starting on September 1st in an effort to protect national security amid escalating tensions over access to technology between the U.S. and China. Oil giant BP is boosting its dividend 10% and repurchasing $1.5 billion of its shares over the next three months, despite reporting a nearly 70% drop in Q2 profits due to weaker fossil fuel prices. Toyota shares, they're edging higher after nearly doubling its first quarter operating profit as it benefited from increased sales, productivity, and even the recovery from the weaker yen. A new survey finding that 43% of back-to-school shoppers will use some form of financing to purchase supplies this year, with 27% of consumers planning to use an existing credit card and 12% expected to open up a new one. CBS says it's cutting 5,000 non-customer-facing jobs to reduce costs as it focuses in on healthcare services. The Wall Street Journal says CBS is also cutting travel expenses, the use of consultants and vendors, and certain business initiatives. And ExxonMobil is reportedly in talks with Tesla, Volkswagen, Ford, and other automakers to provide lithium for their EV batteries as it looks to take advantage of surging lithium demand and diversify beyond fossil fuels. The markets are riding a red-hot streak with the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq posting five straight months of gains and the Dow up four in the past five months. Let's bring in Victoria Fernandez, chief market strategist as Crossmark Global Investments. Victoria, it is great to have you here. My pleasure. All right, I want to go back to a data point we brought up at the beginning of the show. Historically, over the past 25 years or so, August has been weak, down almost 1%. What do you think? Are we setting ourselves up for potentially an August swoon as we see futures in the red? I mean, we could be, Frank. But look, I'd say over the last couple of years, the market really hasn't performed in the way that it typically or historically has. So I don't think we can just automatically say we're going to see that same seasonality come through. The consumer and the job market have been such a strong foundation for the economy, even in the face of of signs that tell you we shouldn't be as strong as we are. So I wouldn't say necessarily rely on the fact that August is traditionally weak. I think we need to wait and see what some of this data has coming through. And if we see central banks really start to pull back like we did the Reserve Bank of Australia, this morning, that could be another boost for the equity markets. All right. So we see a lot of bullish sentiment out there. I think you're taking a bit of a different take on the markets. With that in mind, what's your WEX word of the day? Yes. So my word of the day is resistant. And I think it shows that the equity markets have really resisted some of these signs that we've seen out there that tell us we probably should be in some type of a mild recession at this point. Obviously, we have the yield curve. And even if we put that aside, look at the rest of the leading economic indicators down 15 months in a row. 
the M2 money growth, the, the signs that that's down, I know from a higher level, but still the level that we have seen LEIs, that we've seen money growth come down, we have never seen historically without going into a recession. You have a consumer that even though it's still strong, looks like it could be weakening. And I'm concerned about margins with companies. A lot of people are saying this is a, a, the bottom of the earnings okay. and we're going to go higher from here. I think we have to be concerned about margins. But all of that, the equity market still moves higher. So it is resisting a lot of the negative pulls we see. Yeah, there's definitely signs the consumer's weakening. But I do want to say one thing. You're saying that we're seeing signs of recession. Um, one thing that's contrary to that is just low unemployment. Unemployment's remain low. We continue to see a tight labor market. We're even seeing wage growth. How do you see that long term impacting the strength of the consumer and also the markets and uh, companies' earnings as wages move higher? It's really a double-edged sword, Frank, because you obviously want the consumer to be strong. You want them to be out there spending. You want a labor market that's supportive. But at the same time, that is telling the Federal Reserve that perhaps the things that they're doing, moving up to a five and a quarter on the Fed funds rate, that that has not been enough. So does the strength that is holding up the economy right now actually lead to the Fed moving rates higher and pushing us closer and closer to the edge of that cliff? That's one of the concerns that we have. And look, we say it takes Fed uh, rate hikes about 12 months to work its way through the economy, which means we've really only felt the effects of what, the first two or three hikes. There's quite a bit more that we need to feel. So I think that's part of the reason why we're a little bit cautious and we see it more as a, a risky bull market than just a full on okay. um, up and to the right for the rest of the year. All right. So you're also looking at some tech plays outside of the Magnificent Seven. I think some people would still consider them AI plays. Um, two of them, Adobe and Oracle. What do you like about these stocks right now? Yeah, you're right. We, we're trying to look for plays in the tech space um, that have relations to AI. Adobe and Oracle, you mentioned, obviously, the cloud space with Oracle, Adobe bringing AI um, into their software where you can use voice commands in order to start creating things. It's going to be very helpful. You can see it in other names, too. You look at, like, a lamb research. That's the same thing, feeding into that AI. These are uh, names that we have been buying because of the valuations and the quality of their earnings. And that's key. You can still have tech exposure, but maybe not pay the high multiples and the high valuations of some of those tech names. Very interesting. So one of your other picks is applied materials. Give me a sense of why you feel like that's a good play for today. Yeah, you know, it's part of the same story, right? When we're looking okay. at names, we want to look at names that have strong earnings, good balance sheets, um, they have great management teams that Got have it. been through volatile uh, markets before. That fits into this play along with having some tech exposure right. the, at a valuation that seems reasonable. So Victoria, those we got to leave it there. Thank you very you much for that pick. And that's going to do it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. You haven't heard about the McCrispy yet. Well, then, you probably haven't heard the sweet silence after the first crispy bite either. Go try it for yourself to hear the best not sound you've ever heard.